Hello, my name is Paul and welcome to the Get Object podcast. It is back, albeit in a new form. Just to uh, clarify exactly what I'm doing here, um, if you're new to the show, this probably isn't going to make any sense to you. If you've remained subscribed to um, this feed or the Patreon, um, this is appearing on the on the Patreon first, so you may be listening to this on the Patreon and, and later it's just going to be on, on the main podcast feed. Yeah, if you've you've if you've remained subscribed, then you you probably have some idea of of this. But just just to be clear, so the old version of Get Object, the podcast that I used to do on here with uh, Rosie, obviously finished some time ago. I have now kind of relaunched Get Object um, with, with Rosie's blessing, but she's not involved anymore because of the yeah time issues that made us stop doing it in the first place. But um, so there, uh, there's now a get object website at getobject.net where I'm doing uh, game writing, I'm doing a, a, a written series on objects and games and, and just more general game writing. I'm doing videos on the Get Object YouTube channel and I'm doing podcasts. So what this show specifically is, um, is an interview I did with um, Tali Faulkner, who is the creator of Umarangi Generation, which is a very cool photography game set in a uh, future dystopia. There is also um, a video which has excerpts taken from this interview specifically about the camera as an object in that game uh, and how that functions. Um, so yeah, if you want to see that video, then I'll put a link in the, in the description. But um, yeah, that just takes a, a few clips uh, from this conversation that we had talking about the camera specifically. But we had a long conversation, like more generally about the game and about um, other things, uh, including like what he's planning on doing next and um, some of his thoughts on video game maps and all sorts of other things. So so it makes sense for people to be able to hear all that good stuff as well. This is something I'm going to be planning on 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 doing going forward. So I'm going to be doing more videos about specific objects from games and when I interview people about those objects I'm only going to be using like small parts of that for the video so again I'm going to be putting the full unedited interviews up on this um, feed as a podcast for you to listen to as well. So yeah hopefully that's clear that's what this is. Things are still quite open in terms of what I'm going to be doing with GetObject. Um so I may do other things on this podcast feed as well. I'm not sure. I may just do some more interviews with um, uh, people that are not being used for videos. I may do them just, just for this feed. I don't know. Um, if there's something you particularly want to hear on here podcast-wise, um, let me know. And it might be something that that I'll be able to do. Um, you, can, you can tweet me on the Twitter, which is now getobject underscore, uh, or you can email me on getobjectpod at gmail.com. So yeah, hopefully that's okay. Got getobject is back. It's just me now. I'm still going to be talking a lot about objects in games through the various mediums I'm doing stuff in, video and writing um, and podcasts, but I'm going to be doing some kind of broader video game stuff um, as well. And that's what this is. Uh, hopefully that will make sense. Very quickly, uh, the extent to which I keep doing this is going to depend on the the support I can get via Patreon as as this is going to be, some of the stuff I'm doing is going to be quite, well, the combination of stuff I'm doing is going to be quite quite resource intensive and I'd, I'd like to keep it going. I'd like to do more stuff and hopefully you would like to see that too. So um, if you're hearing this and you haven't checked out the other stuff I'm doing please have a quick look and get object.net and see if you like that as well and if you want to to help me to to keep on going keep doing more then please go to uh, patreon.com slash get object uh, where you can sign up to support me and get a sticker uh, among other things um, but yeah that's enough of all that so I'm going to leave you now with my conversation with um, Tali Faulkner let me talk about Imrangi Generation and a whole bunch of other things. And I'd uh, really recommend you play this game if you haven't played it. Um, it's a really, uh, really well put together, really well designed game uh, that I had a lot of fun with. Um, but yeah, anyway, here's my conversation with, with Tali. Joining me now is Tali Faulkner, 
Uh, he's the creator of Umarangi Generation. Thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, no worries. I'm glad to be on. So we're obviously going to be talking um, a, a bit about that game generally and more specifically uh, the camera from, from that game, which is obviously an, an object that, that defines that game. Um, mm. So the, the first thing I want to ask you is kind of the about the origins of of that game in terms of how the camera came into it. So like, did you start with the idea of, I want to make a game with a camera in it, or did you start with the idea of, I want to make some this kind of game and then later you you realized you needed that object to make it work um yeah well so the game started really as like you know it was my sort of first 3d game so my idea going in was basically to just try and do one aspect of the game well just to figure out how 3d works and so you know that was the kind of thing where i started thinking well you know what can i do um and and try and figure it Mm -hmm. out as i go on and that was the camera like it was the the actual camera that you use in a game for anything, you know, to display, you know, um, a bit mapped image over, you know, 60 right. or 30 frames uh, every, every second or whatever. Um, and so, you know, it, for me, it started kind of as that. And then my uh, sort of background in my sort of various skill sets, I guess, um, is, is sort of the things where I used to sort of do photography quite often, um, still do every so often. But, um, you know, it was the kind of thing where, uh, you know, that the, the what happened before then, though, was sort of the, the, the spark, I think, that, that sort of informed that decision was um, I was sort of teaching my um, younger cousin how to do uh, photography. And it was this thing where, you know, the teaching element to it and the um, showing him how it worked, you know, for me, it kind of felt a little bit like a video game tutorial. You know, I was sort of explaining him it in ways where you're giving him sort of a set of rules or, or something like that. And then he's just figuring it out. And then you could see the joy in how he was, you know, developing the photos and playing around with them. So, you know, I thought, well, give it a go and, and see what it goes like. And I think, um, you know, it definitely went to different directions and different places, but, um, you know, from its sort of conception, I think the idea around it was like, you know, it's always going to be compared to Pokemon snap. Cause that's the, you know, <laughs> benchmark of photography games. And so what I thought is to sort of take the camera element uh, and move it away from sort of the more nature style photography and more into something that's a little bit more um, based on the sort of thing I used to do, which is is a little bit more mm-hmm. um, artistic or subjective. So, um, you know, that, 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 that required a bunch of different ideas. But then I think there were some other ideas, which I, I don't know if I was the first person to come up with it, but, you know, the idea of being able to swap lenses, um, you know, that's something photographers do all the time. Um, or, you know, the idea of being able to manually focus rather than getting the computer to autofocus. Um, and, you know, that's just another thing where, um, you know, you think, oh, well, why would you ever not want to autofocus? But I think part of the fun of photography is choosing that sort of amount of depth of field or buffer behind the subject or, you know, choosing to dial that out or, or, or to, you know, up your aperture to the point where it's just a nice crisp image. And there's, there's just a bunch of like different possibilities you can do um, when you start doing photography. And so taking it from there, the game was then this idea of introducing that content slowly so that players that don't have any foundation in photography can sort of learn as they play with a very gentle curve with sort of you, you start with one lens and then you get move on mm-hmm. to another lens. And that's a very different type of lens. Very specifically, it's a, um, you know, almost polar opposite. A telephoto is very different to sort of your, um, you know, 18 mil that you usually get with your camera. So having it straight away go to the telephoto was to sort of tell players, this is a very different type of photography. And now you've right. got two ways of thinking about it, right? So, and and a part of that is is the objectives, like forcing players to use specific lenses at least once, so that they can experiment with it and f- figure out how it works. And like, um, I, th- I think it's just one of those things where you know, like, if you ever do take photography, um, you know, in in real life, it's this whole thing where um, the telephoto is, you know, in my opinion, it spits out much better images than a basic lens you start with. Um, but it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to figure out how it works, especially when you're, um, uh, shooting images that are, are sort of, um, you know, very close. Like one, one of the things that the, the, um, <clears throat> games camera, I think 
simulates pretty well is this sort of thing where a lot of lenses have their sort of range that you have to dial it into. Um, right. You know, like a, a telephoto can't necessarily focus on things that are quite close by because of just the nature of how that, you know, lens array works. Like it yeah. just doesn't doesn't work like that. And so it was about, you know, like technically it could have made like a, you know, a one ring equivalent lens in the game that could do everything. But I think that would just sort of, right. yeah. you know, make it, make it not as fun to be swapping around and, and choosing different decisions with it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think that, that the, the kind of um, a, a appeal to, to, to photography and games is because I, I noticed like even so obviously this is a game that specifically has a camera in and you're taking photos, but their, their uh, photo mode has become like a big thing in games. Like people always want to have photo modes in games and there's kind of all these subcultures you get around certain games of, of taking taking photos. So there seems to be like this inherent connection between uh, like photography in some form and video games. So I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I was thinking about that because like, um, you know, Far Cry 4, which came out, quite quite a while now but um you know i remember when i played that game because i think i got it as like a launch title when i got my um playstation 4 you know one of the Mm -hmm. first things i did in that was have a go with the camera because they'd introduced a way where you could disable the hud when they when you got the camera um and so you could basically use the playstation's share function to just snap a photo when you're sort of ready to take the photo or whatever um but yeah i think like photo mode you can look at that two ways one is like you know, the, the, a designer at one point sort of, uh, you know, maybe put that in a game and actually wanted to have it in there. And then you can look at it as sort of the, um, you know, the cynical marketing side of games, I think, where, you know, I think a lot of games now, some of them put a photo mode in because they know it's a good way of getting content to share on yeah. social media. You know, if yeah. everyone's sharing their photos and, and, and doing that kind of thing, it's sort of encouraging engagement and, you know, hashtags and, and all that. But, um, you know, like, obviously, I'm not going to be too hard on, on set designers who put that in. But I think it's it's really interesting that that seems to be maybe um, part of the the uh, appeal to that uh, now, like in terms of developers putting it in. Um, and then I guess, uh, you know, the thing I kind of think is um, photo modes for me, I think they're, 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 they're good. But I but I this is this is just my thinking is that I feel part of the I guess fun of photography is the sort of um, you know like getting the right moment shot kind of thing or being in the right position like what one thing I think photo modes where it differs between you know like traditional photo modes and, and this game is this game roots you in place once you've taken the photo you can't move once you've mm. shot uh, you can move before your shot but not after and you know that's that's part of the reason that the levels are very static in their sort of um, you know, world because you can move around, but they don't. And, and you know, in the future might try, you know, maybe with a sequel to the game, like experimenting more with moving targets or whatever. But, um, you, you know, the, the, the idea I think is that um, a lot of those photo modes let you pick perfect angle for stuff. And I think for yeah. me, that's why like that Far Cry mode where you were just using the camera was more appealing to me than, you know, like say going into Spider-Man's photo mode. Because I think I used... Or for a more recent example, maybe the um, Cyberpunk 2077 had a photo mode, and I think I took about yeah. three shots, and then I was kind of just like, eh, uh, like I'm, I'm going to go back to playing the game now. I'm not, I'm not really going to be yeah. too worried about about going back into this. And I think it's like, like for me, it's this is all just personal anecdotes and stuff. But I think for me, the part of the appeal of photography is the sort of, um, you know, freezing it in place and then taking it and then you know retaking a photo if you need to. Um, yeah. I, th- yeah, I think with I... your, sorry, I was just going to say, no, yeah. I think with, with, with like when you have a physical camera, like in your game as well, there's, uh, there's a, an engagement with the, the space because it's not like you can just do that thing where you press the photo mode button and then you can float the camera like wherever you yeah. want. Like you have to, when you're in your game, if you want to get a certain perspective, you have to think about the space and where you can go and where you can't and move around that space. So it feels like a mm. completely different experience. And that's why, like, um, you know, one of the things we added in with, uh, you know, the, the newest update that went to the Switch, you know, and PC, like like it came out when the Switch version came out, was um, creative mode, which was basically a lot of players were asking, um, you know, can we have a mode with no timer where I can just, you know, relax? Right. And 
I think, you know, one of the things I sort of always try to do with development is give people more than what they ask for. Not not as like a cynical or, you know, a, a nefarious thing, but more the idea that, you know, a lot of people were saying they wanted this creative mode. And, and so the idea I thought of with that is, you know, maybe what we can do is sort of hand them the keys to the kingdom in terms of like, okay, now you can change the sort of like, you know, weather of the level or like time of day. You can, um, you can actually clip through walls. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where you like... Tell a developer that you're giving, you know, basically <laughs> debug tools to the the players, and and uh, a lot of them will be like, you know, walking slowly out of the room, keeping eye to- yeah. contact with you or whatever. But um, I think it's this whole thing where, uh, you know, with that we sort of led to, uh, you know, getting images that were very. Um, I'm just trying to pull one up here. Uh, we started to get images. Uh, hang on, I'll, I'll just send you a link to this document. Um. We started to get these like images that were basically actually i'll just go to the, the twitter um post but we started to get these images where um you could see that players sort of respected i guess the um you know what would you call it like the you know player designer contract or social agreement there that you know we're giving you the the, the tools to make something that's you know awesome um you know, not not to just like clip out of bounds and show all the seams of the the game. And so, like, you know, this image here that I'm just linked you to. Um, yeah, I'll this put is an this image in the description as well for, for people yeah, listening, yeah. so you can have a look. At this it. is an image where someone's clipped out of bounds. Um, oh, cool! So that they can get these characters who were sort of sitting on a bench next to a wall, and because yeah, yeah. you know the way games work, where it only renders one side, they can see past yeah. the wall and, and they can see into and and i think it it got this really great silhouette where um you know it was the whole thing that the players were um you know able to sort of make stuff that was was very like uh how would you put it like still in tone with with the game and everything like i feel like that that fits so well with just sort of the um the uh the idea and so mm-hmm. I, I guess it's just that whole thing where um you know i think like there is a time and place, I think, to sort of give people more options and freedom. But I think, um, you know, after players have played this game, it's the kind of thing where I think giving them, you know, this this newer level of sort of, um, you know, advanced photography is the kind of thing where they, they tend to sort of still stay, uh, you know, using, using the other sort of advanced components. Because, like, um, you know, with this game in the DLC, we added in like ISO, shutter speed, and aperture as things that they could adjust as well. And that's pre-shooting, so like they have to adjust those things and then try and and see what fits. Like ISO is one of these, um, you know, stats that uh, basically you're sacrificing image quality for light, right? right. Um, and so, you know, you might think, why would you ever want to then sacrifice image quality, like? But it's the kind of thing where actually sometimes sacrificing image quality looks awesome. Um, you know, mm. I can remember a set of photos I, I took um, when I was at university and it was this thing where, you know, we're just having a drinking night. And I remember taking these photos in low light conditions. And when I went to go edit them, I cranked the grain up really high to get a lot of light in there. But they started to look like these sort of old West portraits. So right. they were the kind of thing where they were really... Um, you know, quite aesthetically pleasing. And, and it was this thing where I think people had a really good time looking at them. Um, yeah. I, I, hope that ki- I hope that kind of thinking gets brought to aesthetics and games more broadly because there, there's an assumption that the the way you make things look better is like always High more detail, like more... Res- yeah, more and like that's not... How- yeah. Exactly, that's not how... Uh, necessarily things work so I, I hope that kind of um, yeah mentality when it comes to the photography would be something that game developers might em- embrace because I think there's a whole range of potentials of, of what you could do with aesthetics outside of that which would be cool to to explore um, something that um, something I was really interested in asking about is the way you use the camera to focus attention in the game and I don't know because you yeah, you started off mentioning this thing about like teaching someone photography which is like one kind of aspect of it but then obviously you have this um this this kind of story that's uh yeah, it's difficult to describe because you don't have a story in the game a traditional sense the, of you the don't setting is the story yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that's you don't probably have the people... easiest way to say it yeah, there's no so just in case anybody's listening to this who who doesn't know, there's no dialogue, there's no people yeah. coming up to you and telling you things. You're not speaking to anybody. 
all you could do, all you're doing is when you're when you're taking photos, you're walking around this environment, you observe things, you start to pick up details. I'm just talking about my experience now. Like, f- first of all, I was like, okay, I'm I'm in this game. I'm supposed to be taking photos of this thing, so I'm going to do what it tells me. I go to these objectives, and I slowly realised that I'm starting to build like a conceptual picture of the world. I'm starting to pick up on details, and I start to build an idea of my head of of what's what's happened in this place like what kind of place it is what the history is here and it's really interesting way of like telling someone a story and the camera the camera isn't telling the story so much but it's a really good way of focusing the attention and making you notice things so I'm just curious as to like when that part of the game came about and and how you were kind of thinking about telling a story and what the camera was was meant to do like it would be thinking explicitly in a way like this is a way of getting people to focus on things or notice things Hmm. well so because like originally the game was much more simple in its um uh kind of design because originally it was this idea that the photography element was there but the um reason to take the photos wasn't so it was this thing where you know and you see this with sort of the legacy of the game being that it's you know you're a courier or whatever um originally the idea of the game was very very like what i'm talking about when it was in its sort of gray box you know testing it out and, and trying to figure out what the mechanics would be um you know it was this idea that the camera um would be this thing that you would have on you but the main idea of the game would have been you know delivering these parcels and finding out where to go to deliver the parcels right and i think it was this big breakthrough where basically you know started thinking about you know what's the what's what's something like everyone's going to find fun uh and, and you know how would you sort of contextualize all this and i thought of like you know those where's wally books or um you know the uh i spy books that you read as a kid where it's the joy of those books is the looking around searching for something and finding it um Mm. and so with this game it was about you know that that's where it started to see like oh actually there's a better idea than doing this sort of um more hands-off thing where you can start to direct people into trying to look for something and so like you you know before that the main photography elements of the game in terms of the gameplay were scoring x amount of points right because there wasn't even really a money system in yet recreating a postcard and taking a group of of like taking a photo of of specific people right which they're all still in the game they're the bonus objectives but once it sort of was this thing of like okay you can change the objective per level to be a thing someone has to look for the conditions of to take the photo of and you can figure out and and there's a way where basically they can take that photo however they like there's not a condition of, you know, um, it being that, you know, they have like, because we, we've seen these sort of photography puzzle mechanics before, um, which was basically, you know, what the postcard shot is in this game, which is where it's the whole stand in a specific pot, spot and jiggle the camera around till it works, right? With this, the the photography of it saying like, um, you know, the, the like, here's, here's your thing you have to photograph. And now you have to try and figure out how to do that. It was a huge breakthrough in sort of the idea of like, um, you know, in, in that first level, the objective is seven birds. Well, what's a bird, right? What's, what does that even, what does that even dis- describe as? Well, that meant you could have it that the, it wasn't just the seagulls. It could be the penguin or the eagle as well. And then mm-hmm. because there's seven as, as the, you know, thing you put in 16 so that people have a bunch of different ways to complete that objective any way they kind of liked, right? And I think the payoff to that is that all these photos that people start sharing on social media are all really, really unique. You know, they might be similar in terms of the, um, uh, you know, similar to like the angle of where they might have taken a photo, but then they are framing the photo in terms of, you know, choosing how far they want to zoom in or, you know, when they go to do the edit, they're choosing what do they want their color corrections and balance to look like. And I think it's this thing where, um, you know, that's what then changed how the scoring worked because it was this whole thing where um, the question then became, all right, we can get people to go and look for photos, but what kind of photos do we want them to take? And I think it was that whole thing where the other big breakthrough was looking at and saying, um, actually, we shouldn't be the ones telling them what a good photo is. Because if the game starts telling them that, you know, a good photo is X, 
people are only going to try and take X photo, right? They're not going to be doing that creative activity anymore. They're going to be trying to appease a computer. Uh, And, you know, we see that with games like Tony Hawk, which is where this, you know, um, the the scoring sort of has its roots in, right? Where, you know, the, the game figures out that the best grind it wants you to see on the rail is a dark slide. So... When you get good at the game, it's dark slide, dark slide, dark, you know, and and it's this kind of thing where watching it becomes um, more static because there's, there's there's no more of that free form, um, you know, creativity in in the skateboarding. And so, like with this, it was the idea that like, okay, rather than um, judging your photos based on like, you know, what what I think is a good photo, I'm going to change the scoring based on what you have in it. So, the thing how that works is that depending on what you have in your shot. Uh, that will make the scoring system change in different ways. So if you have, you know, a shot that has lots of color in it, well, you're going to be judged uh, probably a flat rate, maybe 2,000, right? And then plus uh, every, you know, like 100 points, every unique color that happens, right? After, because to, to judge it as a colorful shot, it needs to register like, I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to remember what the numbers were but let's say if it was like there were more than 10 colors 10 individual colors in that shot based on a sort of uh, image that's crunched down and and sort of posterized to sort of uh, bleed certain colors together okay so if there's 10 colors in that shot um that means that uh that's now a colorful photo right uh, that means that every color uh, over 10 is an extra 100 points okay something like that then if you have something that like we you know, the, the game calls a moody shot. That's anything with, you know, like a, a le- less than five colors. And now every color you have below five multiplies your score by a certain amount, right? So it's the right. sort of thing where it changes the thing. Because, you know, it's the sort of thing where if someone took a photo and the only colors in it were black and white, you know, you're getting a very minimalist moody look, right? And and the, the scoring then changing to adjust for that, I think, stops mm-hmm. it from being this kind of thing where the, the shots are sort of judged based on uh, more rigid values it makes it a little bit more abstract and harder to sort of game the system now it is possible to game the system like um one of the things a lot of players have realized is that you know you chuck on the um super wide angle or you know fisheye lens and you snap stuff and you'll get tons of points um but you know by by the time they're at that point they're not too worried about the scoring that happens in the game they're more worried about Uh the scoring that's happening in their heads which is to say they're now making those subjective decisions and looking at the environment and you know they're 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 making the creative decision of saying what is or isn't a good photo to them they're saying um oh i didn't like that shot i'll retake it you know, and that's a shot that's not even related to the objectives anymore. It's just a shot that they thought looked cool, right? And I think it's just that whole thing where um, that kind of um, scoring, I think, is very, um, you know, I can see that being kind of controversial to some people who like the idea of games having these more objective, um, rigid rule sets where, you know, uh, like, you know, if you, if you ever go look at any sort of um, undergraduate game designers, um you know, uh, video essay online, they'll usually say games are, you know, a thing with implicit and explicit win states or something like that, where it's this, um, you know, definition that says it has to have a score or it has to be mm. done in a way where you can, can can do certain things. And I think um, a scoring system like this is a very different way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd certainly, when I played it, I felt from quite early on, like, I basically didn't care about the scores from quite early on. I felt like the game yeah. was almost telling me that it doesn't really matter. Like, do what you do with the you fa- like. photos that you like. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, that yeah. Works, and it's works it's all through. subjective, and we're all artists here. So you know, mm-hmm. like you'll you'll judge it, and you know, like I think the the one of the really positive things I think that's come out of this game is you've seen like we've seen a couple of um, you know photographers uh, or, or you know like the players finish the game and then start photography they start doing it irl because they enjoyed it and they realized that this is the creative thing that they enjoy doing and it's the kind of thing where they're not necessarily um like i think that one thing that we'll find a lot of times in sort of like you know western school systems and stuff is creativity is bashed out of you almost as quickly as possible because you know school systems are basically designed as a you know little trial run of the, the workforce right yeah. and that's why it teaches you things like you know show up on time and um you know follow instructions without questioning them and stuff like that because it's trying to get you to 
but like basically it's the same archaic stuff to get you to work into a factory that you know from yeah. 200 years ago or whatever right and and i think it's this whole thing where um you know it could be this kind of thing that a lot of people actually do really enjoy photography they've just never tried it before right and it's just this thing of if you introduce it to them as a game and there's enough of a hook with the story and everything to sort of drag them through to the end it can be this sort of thing where you know i, I think one of the the things that players tend to do by the end is that they'll go back and look at their old photos and i think they'll cherish them in a way where they can look back not cherishing them as like oh i really like that bird but they'll be looking at their own personal growth they'll say you know the, the first photo i took you know i was like what was i doing right like in terms of they'll say you know i wasn't even putting any exposure in I, the angle wasn't right or something like that right but then they'll look at their later ones and you know it's this thing where they'll see their personal growth and they'll want to keep um giving it a go and i think um that's just a really positive thing you know yeah, so something I just thought of actually is it's really, I don't know why it's such an important thing, but the fact that um, if you're playing on PC at least, it saves your photos in a folder. It makes it feel like that's so, I don't know what it is, but you know, like if you play a game with the, with where, where the, the photos are stored like in the game, they're only in the game. And then, yeah, maybe you can like manually click like, export, export or something. Export them to, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. The, the fact that it saves them to a folder on your computer makes them feel more like, this is a photo that I've created. Uh, it's like yeah, a, yeah. a small thing, but it does make a difference, I think, to how you... Well, because like with the with the Switch, it saves to your gallery instantly. Um, right. And I think it's this like like very similar, I think, uh, not necessarily trick, but very, very similar kind of way you now think about it because it's saved directly to your um, Switch. And I think a lot of times people will probably go back through on their Switch and delete the ones they don't like, right? But mm. it's off the game now. It's on your switch. It's it's yeah, yeah. it's no longer in the game. It's on your um yeah yeah your you know me media device or whatever yeah mm. um and I, I think it's 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 just like uh, an interesting and, and you know like the, the the reality is you can see my um the, the reason I do that is you can probably see my sort of um uh, for lack of a better word like history working in apps because apps you know you're always trying to get people to interact or, or take something with with you kind of thing like um you know or you're trying to get people to share and stuff like that so like with this game um you know it was that idea of like trying to get people to just have a little thing to take away with them um and and i think it like you know i think it's worked quite well because it's the kind of thing where i think people um you know after playing the game you know a lot of times when we figure out people have played the game is they'll post on twitter and they'll be posting their favorite photos um either with the hashtag or without you know sometimes they're just mentioning the game and then they're like short review of it where they basically can say you know they've got their their four favorite photos from the game and they're just saying like or, or you know some people do entire threads of these are all the photos i took and um you know i just think it's this really really interesting thing and and like i hope it doesn't become like i guess um you know people s stop missing the point of that and try and you know make it a uh, a bit of a, a bit of a like you know instant success button or something in design where they you know trying to get games to save like a sentimental image because like I, I guess the thing i kind of think about is one of the games which did that really early on like we're talking before 3d is like earthbound where you know there was a character in earthbound which would sort of pop up every so often and they would take a photo of your progress um right. not not like as a save progress but you know you might come out mm -hmm. of a dungeon and you might just be walking along and this little guy will pop up and take a photo and then it was this thing where um at the end of the game he would um you know show the photos through the credits to sort of you know you could then reflect on your journey through playing the game so i think it was a an interesting thing uh there that's cool yeah um so in terms of like the the way that you're so you've already mentioned this thing of like telling the story with the with the setting do you think the way you've done that could have do you think that could have been effective, like without the camera, just but just because to me that the the it's such a it's such a good device for making you see things unintentionally. So in terms of like, so you obviously got your objectives, right? I need to uh, where, where is it? I'm looking around here, and then you see things that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. Like it allows it's a, a way for you to have 
because I'm sure there's loads there's loads of times where developers are putting all sorts of stuff in their games that they hope that players will notice, and sometimes they probably do, and sometimes they don't. And of I course, think- there are things you can miss here as well. But the, yeah. the fact of like having the the, the, the camera's device for making you look. I feel like made me notice a lot of things or pick up on a lot of things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Well, so like, I think, um, well, well, two things. One is like, I think this game benefits not having a map. If it had a map, I think it would have been much more this thing where people would be, you know, consulting the map to figure it out rather than, you know, like Mm. just, just walking around and getting to know the place, um, you know, and like getting lost in a certain area and then, you know, if I've done my job right as a level designer, they pop back up in an area they remember and they go, oh, I'm back, right? And them walking around that level and, and figuring it out, I think, is is part of the fun. Um, you know, w- one thing I would say uh, sort of about that is, you know, one of the ideas of the game's themes, I guess, of it sort of being um, this look at, you know, neoliberalism is people missing stuff is part of the point or, or people ignoring what's happening is part of the point, right? right? Because... Um, you know, with the more, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, like the political content or whatever you might want to call it, um, the 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 idea that the players would um, not be picking up on the problem in the earlier levels and then it coming to them in such a violent way, you know, where it is smack bang in front of you and there's no denying its existence, it's, it's there now, I think has this effect where players... After they see that and after they get that shock, if they've not been spoiled yet, they pay attention even more because they can see what the hell's actually going on, you know? And it's this whole thing where, um, you know, I've watched plenty of Twitch streams now where people play the game and they get to that midway point and they basically say, holy shit, I didn't see this coming at all. And from that point on, they're hooked because it's this thing now where they're not then they're realizing that something was wrong and they probably picked up on clues, but they didn't like, and I think this is just part of the reality of games is that um, I think a lot of times there has been, you know, sort of environmental storytelling that has just let people down and they're not necessarily conditioned to thinking anything more of it. Like I can imagine, um, you know, I can think of games like say, for example, dead space where they had to sort of like um, spell it out like more than once with the sort of, you know, the, the trick of the monsters, right? Which I feel, uh, you know, could have been this sort of thing where imagine if, um, you know, players, like they, the game almost played a trick on them at first where like if they headshot the enemy, the enemy would fall over and pretend to be dead. And then they would have to figure out that they had to decapitate the legs because it was the whole thing where they couldn't shoot anything else. They couldn't just shoot for the head again because it's gone. Um, but you know, like obviously they had to, to spell it out. And I think like with this game, um, you know, there is some stuff that's a little bit more overt at places, but I think the idea was to have that stuff of what's coming there in plain sight, but only if you're looking for it, you're not conditioned to see it at first. Um, mm. and so, you know, players that were observant and they were taking it in when the, f- the fifth level comes around, they went, Oh, that's what they meant. Right. And then there were other players who were consuming the game as, oh, it's, you know, Jet Set Radio, Pokemon Snap, right? Uh, and they weren't picking up on, for example, um, the U- UN referring to this thing as a squid or, um, you know, what are these blue bottles? Why are they just sitting here, right? Um, and it's this whole thing where, like, as they played through the game, it, it was that moment, I think, which which turned it. It, it flips the, the, the context of everything and you, you have to pay attention even more now. Um, just out of curiosity, did you play the DLC for the game? I haven't played the DLC, no. I've just played the, no. the main game. I'll have to send you a code. But um, basically, there's a moment similar to that in the DLC, which is about um, having the player go through specific areas and having them see things that are very specific. And then when the final level of that DLC happens, it's about getting them to think about all that stuff and then uh, sort of merging it together. Uh, I, I don't really want to spoil it for you, but there, there's there's moments, I think, where, um, you know, for, for me, I think, like, uh, you know, I have a little bit of a background in film and part of the direction or the director role is, is about, you know, weaving together all the elements into, you know, a cohesive whole. Um, you know, you were talking a little bit more about the, like, about do you think it would have worked without a camera? And I think, like, for me, um, you know, I'm planning my next game to be this one that's, uh, 
you know, a game where you're not using a camera at all. It's a little bit more, um, you know, going back to sort of not saying it's a return to form or of, of, of what games are at the moment, but more it's about taking an idea and changing the genre without changing the gameplay. Um, and I think it's this kind of thing where we've chosen a pretty good idea that I think will fit with um, the, the, the themes and stuff like that. Uh, you know, an example I can think of is just sort of like, um, you know, just, just off the top of my head is like, how does, um, you know, how, how does, how does medicine work in games? Right. Um, and then if you're playing a game where, you know, the idea with this next game is it's about looking at sort of, um, certain themes and things like that. What does medicine look like for people who are, you know, higher ranking than someone who's not in terms of like looking at the sort of, you know, um, medical items you can use in the game if you're the, um, you know, working Joe um, technician right. versus the, you know, captain of a ship. And, and I think you can play with themes and stuff with the gameplay there if you want to start talking about, you know, let's say, you know, unequal access to healthcare or something like that. And getting players to feel that as they play it, I think is a really interesting, um, I think it's a really interesting uh, part of games, which I think... Um, you know, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily always get tapped into. Um, sometimes games can just be these sort of vehicles where it's, um, you know, doing the sort of trend chasing or whatever. And, and like, you know, that's not controversial to say because that, that happens in movies as well, you know. Mm. Um, you know, if one, if one director comes out with a cowboy movie that does all right, everyone else will try and do the same thing, but not necessarily as well because they're not thinking like that director when they made it. Or, um, mm. you know, like one of the things I'm thinking about is um, <clears throat> the... TV series Breaking Bad. Um, I've recently been watching that for sort of the first time. I mean, I watched like one season when I was in uni and then kind of gave up midway through season two, but I'm coming back to it based on the, you know, huge mm-hmm. amount of hype there. But like, you know, after Breaking Bad, you got all these sort of, um, you know, um, what would you call them? Like midlife crisis drug <laughs> soapies right. or whatever. Like I'm thinking of, you know, uh, there's that... Um, uh, it's like it's like the equivalent of Breaking Bad, but it's uh it's up it's up north a little. Um, with Marty Byrne, the uh, what's his name? Um, Ozarks, right? Ozarks is this this um, you know, drug uh, midlife crisis uh, show where where basically mm-hmm. it's not as good, right? Like you you watch <laughs> it and you you go, nah, it's all right. Like, and and it's pretty obvious, I think, that you know the whole point of that show was not necessarily to make you know, a good idea. It's more of this, like, I mean, like, I, apparently they're cancelling it soon, like, it's in its final season or something because it's just, like, jumping around and they don't know what they're doing with it. So, you know, I always think about that with games and I, I think, like, um, you know, the games I've got planned in the future, um, you know, I, I have very specific ideas on what I want to do and I think, like, for example, with this next one, it's going to be um, sort of a game that's more, um, like, very experimental. Like, I think... The, the, the idea is to basically use the opportunity to make this new game um, because what it basically is is building the tech for the next one, which has been thought out much more. But okay. um, build build the tech for this one and I brought some friends in and we're going to write some stuff that, you know, it can be, be experimental and if it's not great, it's not great. But the idea is to use it as a stepping stone of the next one anyway. So I don't think, um, you know, it's this kind of thing where I'm too uh, worried, I think, about, you know, holding on to conventions of, of, of how the design in horror should be done. But I, I think it's going to be this, this, this interesting, uh, I guess for me, it's, it's just interesting territory to get into. And I think like, um, you know, after Umarangi, I think like, uh, I've, I've got the skill set to just work on this next little one and then see where it goes. So, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. Sounds cool. I really, I really like the idea you said about, yeah, the, um, different, about how medicine works for different people at different uh, classes as well. That's very interesting, particularly for, for me, who's do, who's planning to be doing all this stuff about objects and games. That's a really interesting way of using a, an object and yeah. making like um, making like uh, social structures kind of resonate through an object. That's a really cool, cool idea. Yeah, because like um, I think um, and and like just just bouncing a little onto that, like you know, you might be saying like, well, why would you want to talk about um you know, uh, you know, inequalities in healthcare. I think it's like one of these things where games and objects and all this 
stuff in 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 the space there i feel like they're really interesting when you start to apply like a lens from you know what we're all going through at the moment onto those objects like rather than them always having me you know working flawlessly having them you know have the same real world problems as they have outside um i think yeah in, in my opinion it always makes it a very interesting thing like i, I think um one of the games uh which i think about when it comes to like objects and how they're done is like death stranding where they like every object in that game has a deterioration mechanic it's it's not a like it just breaks it's that whole um you either are maintaining it with the spray or like you're trying to keep it out of the 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 rain or you're you know um trying to find ways to to sort of like keep it from from um you know stuffing up and i think it's this really interesting thing because like um that and like the sort of other ideas they have with it with you know like the balance and stuff i think it's just such an interesting take on something that's so stale with that because like you know one of the time one of the things i think which is always like um a little bit annoying i think is the whole like uh you know the web the, the like let's say for example it's like a gun or something in a game works fine until it doesn't like it just um you know it looks immaculate and it's all good and then it just pops in and, and falls into nothing um and I, I, you know, even though Death Stranding doesn't really do that, there's, there's this like the whole thing where you can see that slow degradation in real time. So it's such a like interesting thing to always have on your mind. Like, um, yeah. you, like I'm, I'm just thinking of like the times when I played that game. There was like um, basically a moment where um, you know you could just see your finite resources start to go down over time, and and start to, I think, put yourself in Sam's shoes a bit more with, like, okay, I've still got, like, half my journey to go. Maybe I should start to, like, think about not using so many ladders or something like that in case I need them. And I don't know. It's it's, it's always, I think, like, one of those things where, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, like, with this next game, um, as I said, it's going to be a very experimental thing, um, play around with some of those ideas. Because I think... Um, you know making it say for example um like like basically with this next game the idea is that you're going to be able to pick to play as specific characters that are all going to then be in the same game uh when you like the same run like the same playthrough when you go through and i think the idea would be that their interactions with these items would all be different based on who they are you know um Oh, not cool, just like yeah. physically like if it's you know like someone who's not very strong they can't carry heavy objects but also you know their their um socio-political like status in terms of you know mm. like having it so that the um you know certain people can't afford to to buy you know good medicine or something like that um i think that would just be i think a really interesting idea to sort of explore because i think it also like helps ground players in the universe because they're they're now they they have to role play as that character when they play, um, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Sounds good. Um, did you find it difficult in terms of like so? So we've 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 already we've already mentioned about how your uh, the game uh, doesn't like explicitly tell you anything, and it's all based on observations and, and things like that. So even though you don't explicitly say anything, like. So you can correct me if if any of this is wrong, but like I feel like I came away from it that like, I I felt like I was seeing a perspective that was broadly anti-capitalist or at least critical of capitalism that had concerns about climate change that was kind of had some warnings in there about kind of um, governments or kind of uh, inadequate response to crises or like unwillingness to acknowledge crises or address crises that's a lot of stuff to kind of come across like without like, do you know what I mean with that? Yeah. So, so is it, was it, did you find it difficult to like find a way of like getting those things across? I mean, is that something you'd, maybe you didn't even worry about it. Maybe you thought if people missed that, they missed that or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think um, definitely, definitely in that whole point, if they miss it, they miss it. That's all right. But like the, the thing I think about with that is um, having it there, and just being there and existing in the space, I think is the most effective way to do it. Because like, if you're making it where, um, you know, the game is jumping up and down, trying to tell players what to look at and, 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 um, you know, tell them this is the point of it or whatever. I feel like it's almost a, a sort of thing where it doesn't 
feel realistic like i like one of the 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 games i always think about in terms of one that did this really well was like you know fallout new vegas has this just commitment to every inch of the world being in service of the next thing around the corner in terms of you know like one, one of the earliest places you go to um in that game you see this giant sculpture where it's two um you know metal statues of two different looking people shaking hands right and that you know just it's just a set decoration for the the level right um in terms of like technical sense that mm. says so much about the world without ever telling you to read the sign in terms of t- like you know the little plaque below it that, that mm. tells you more about the history of it you know when you see that and you walk past it and then you see that there are these um guys who are walking around with these cowboy hats similar to the guy on the left and then the guy on the right you remember him from you know obviously like the the box of the game and the um you know intro cinematic and stuff you go oh okay so these guys are like obviously allied or whatever and then you know as you go through that space you start to like look at other things that are um you know related to it i think like with this game it's sort of about doing that as well where every one of those levels for me when i was making them were about okay what would blank look like in this play in this space with this context right so like um an example of that might be you know you go to the level um which is at the walled city right which is a an area that's sort of um you know obviously representative of the sort of like um kowloon aesthetic you often see in um cyberpunk like media and the idea is that when you get there the um uh it's a little bit different though it's not exactly what you usually see with these sort of um things where it's usually you know the neon signs that are um you know for like a noodle bar or something like that mm. uh instead it's this place where it's a community living there and you can see one of the first things when you walk in is there are a bunch of signs that have been erected by the un that say this is a no-go zone and mm. um we won't respond to calls in this area and all this stuff right and the idea is that then you keep walking around that area and you see that it's actually the one of the only levels that has no blue bottles right there's no blue bottles in that area from the the damage right um so when you go there it's this whole thing of you go hmm that's that's different and then you know as someone who's maori like me you'll go in there and you'll see certain iconography and you'll pick on what's going on almost immediately um but you know the idea of that level is the meta story of that level is it's a community dealing with a death um that was basically a person from that community joined the un you know uh mecca soldier whatever group and they were fighting a battle and they got killed and that community is grieving because that person was one of the people who you know obviously they all grew up around but there's also the thing of um you know you can see this whole idea that the the un have sort of started to um not really give a shit about the people who live on the top side uh and that's more explored in the dlc where you start to see this whole thing where basically the um what's going on in the sort of top side um and the whole idea of collateral damage and stuff like that there's a demonstration later on where people um you know tell the un to fuck off and so it's this thing i think where like with the levels it's kind of about like giving all the clues that something's going on there and then letting players connect them up themselves and if they are observant or you know they are invested in the world they'll do that and um you know similar to something like new vegas or whatever where every inch leads to the next corner um i think that was my idea with this this game and i'll probably do that in other games as well where you know every inch is explored in terms of um you know there's that that really famous video i think online where the guy was saying you know new vegas what do they eat and you know the explanation of um you know oh the first area you go to is called um you know good spring because yeah. that's where all the people get the water and you can see they've got like crops and you know deer uh, uh, not deer like big rams and stuff like that and um you know that's not the place you stop though you got to ask all the other questions as well and like someone coming from a film background i remember taking writing classes where 
you know, when you're writing a character, you go right into depth and everything. Like you say, what tattoos do they have? You know, what's their favorite food? What was their previous occupation? You know, what's their um, history of like, you know, love life or whatever, right? And you go through all those questions and then by the time you finish, that's what your character ends up being. Like they, the character almost like writes himself. And so I think with like um, environmental storytelling, it's this whole thing of, um, you know, you do have to put the political element in there because that's part of the environment. You know, mm. um, for this, it was about what does the inept, you know, neoliberal government in this space, how do they respond to stuff like this? You know, what does the marketing look like for um, products people want to sell you? What does that look like? What, what's the main hobby of people in certain areas? And for this game, you know, you, you go to an area and it's basically every single place says they have VR booths, right? To, to let mm. you just um, ignore what's going on, right? And it's this whole mm. thing where I think as you put these small little layers on top of each other or these, you know, little inches that need to the next corner, it grows the world in a way where um, players will start to take note. And um, I think it's just that whole thing where the other big thing, like definitely going from just before, excluding that mini-map is a really good way, I think, to get players to get more um, familiar with what's going on because they're not looking at a little 2D graphic anymore that has stylized... um, you know, symbols for walls, they're looking at the walls in the game and they're turning the corners and they're, you know, looking at objects that they might recognize and walking towards them or they're, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. And I think it's just that whole thing where, um, you know, like one of the the things I started doing in games a few years ago was turning mini-maps off. Um, And I think it was this whole thing where you start to pay attention much more. Um, You know, the other thing was turning mini-maps off and also the other thing was like, um, you know, removing, you know, big dotted markers that tell yeah. you what the thing is you need to run to. Cause you know, that, that, that I think is another thing. And I, I think there's ways to do that with this next game as well. Um, you know, in terms of not spelling out the objectives and, and making players absorb us very, not necessarily a, a, a very, like, one thing I'll say about Omarangi's levels is they're very, I guess, diverse in terms of, you know, one moment you're here and then the next moment you're here and it can be very um, different. I think with this next game, the idea is to explore. Um, it's going to be sort of like a small open level that has different sections through it, but it's all the main, like it's all very, I think, still situated in one place. So I think, you know, and as I said, this is an experimental work and we'll see how that, fun- yeah, like, see how that, that turns out. Cool. Yeah, I, lo- I, lo- I love what you said about maps because I've literally I've been working on um uh, a um a piece about maps in games and I've I've made this exact argument about the the benefits of well as well as talking about maps and what works about the benefit of the absence of of maps and this exact thing you said about mini maps where the the problem is because they're um, kind of abstracted they're often easier to read than like the the 3d space so what you actually end up doing is looking at your icon on the mini map and you're basically moving yourself around a maze you're not looking at the at the the buildings the architecture or, or whatever it is and and there's this danger that okay so part of the the argument i'm trying to make is there is that maps can be a really good way of connecting you to an environment but if you do them in the wrong way then they completely disconnect you they, they become a way of like yeah yeah of making you like, like like, I guess the thing I would sort of think about is, um, you know, one one of the ideas I think I have for a future game is that players will have to draw their own maps and then share them with other players. And there's this idea that, um, I think, think the idea of like why I was thinking that and why that would work is, um, you know, there's a process of then saying, Ooh, I'm slowly progressing through this area and I want to figure out and sketch it out how I would sort of think it. But I think this other idea of saying that other players might be able to share with you like a scrap, a little piece, and then you can piece that together. It could be this sort of thing where you you can then, like there's the community aspect of someone leaving you a map is a, you know, really nice gesture, but also um, you have to take their word on it sometimes, you know, and there would be this sort of thing where certain players could be sneaky with that. And I think it's um, it's a a much more interesting thing, Um, you know, like, like, Kind of, kind of finishing up here, I guess, is this whole, um, like, I think there's this thing where um, the thing I think about a lot is that, like, computers can do a lot, but the trade-off sometimes is that the games end up being, like, quite, um, how would you put it, like, they end up being quite boring, uh, because I think 
part of the fun sometimes is the human, uh, you know, interaction of trying to figure it out. And I think, um, right. you, you know, like, I think that's, that's sometimes the, the, like the, the best way to do it. Like, I, I feel like, um, you know, there's obviously some stuff which I don't miss, like, uh, you know, dice rolls for, um, you know, mm. certain things hitting and like, you know, RPGs, like, uh, that, mm. you know, obviously started as a turn-based thing and, you know, then they went to a 3D space and, you know, you're swinging your sword against someone and it has a 90% chance of hitting and then sometimes it'll miss and and right, I missed yeah. stuff like that. But, but you know, th- there are other things where I think like it, um, the, the progression made sometimes is detrimental to the enjoyment of it. Like, um, I don't know, I'm just thinking, I think I might be, drawing a blank here but like uh i'm thinking of like how certain games like uh you know deus ex um human revolution if you played on the higher difficulties your batteries didn't automatically recharge you had to find you know specific items to do that and it led to you having a lot more i think um care of when you were going to use your augmentations but also like your um you know you you felt like okay i've got these thing in my back pocket in case I need it kind of thing. And I think it would just lead to much more interesting or more like grounded experiences in the game where you would like, you would obviously like you would have parts of that game where you would just like go all out and try and like use your whole bar to do something real badass. But like Mm. there were also just moments I think where, you know, there's action started to have a lot more weight in that world. And I think it was one of the things I kind of disliked about the sequel to that was where they sort of, um, you know, move that back into the regenerating thing based on player feedback. And I feel like they probably should have just stuck their guns, but that's all right. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool idea of maps as well. I'd like to see, cause obviously um, map drawings kind of a, a lost tradition that used to be a thing with like text yeah. adventures and stuff. People had to draw their own maps and adding a kind of sharing element to that would be, would be cool, I think. But, yeah. um, and I think the, 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 the big reality of that is like, I'm looking at this console here, right? And this yeah. console has a, place where you can draw um maps very easily on it right it's it's this like one of the things i kind of think about with um you know hardware when it comes to games consoles is like there are certain features of these consoles that are very very awesome that you just can't get on like a pc um then that's not to say like i don't like pc or anything but like for example this controller here has a touch bar no one uses for just about anything other than the, the the extra button um you know it has uh like gyro built into it that for some reason on playstation everyone hates gyro so no one uses it um whereas like with this um you know one of the interesting things about porting to the switch was knowing that people use the gyro and saying well what should we do then and and it was this whole thing where the game started to have this you know look and rotate mode that you could activate in the options that makes it so that it's like you're holding a camera in your hands and i think like um you know it's just one of those things where you kind of have to um just uh you know like i think that i think there's interesting things you can do uh if you just sort of bend the rules a little bit and and don't always follow the um the, the preconceived design traditions yeah yeah for sure Okay, well, um, I think that's a, a good place for us to, to close off. Um, thank you very much for your, for your time talking to no, me. No, no worries. Um, people, if 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 anyone's listening who hasn't played this game we're talking about, then, then it's on, as we mentioned, it's on PC, it's on Switch, so you can, you can find it there. Um, is there anything you'd like to point people towards in terms of where they can follow you or anything if they're interested in your, your next game? Um, yeah, if you want to follow like what's going on with uh, Umurangi, you can go to Umurangi Game on Twitter. Um, share, share us some of your photos as well. We'd love to see them. Um, you know, we always like seeing what players take photos of and things like that. Um, and then, you know, uh, if you'd like to follow what I'm doing, just go to Vaselkov, which is in the uh, description of the Umurangi game Twitter. Mm. Um, and then from there, uh, basically, you know, um, I'm going to be working stuff on stuff in the future, but I'm also going to be, you know, supporting this game and, and, doing some awesome stuff i think with the hardware of like the playstation 4 and 5 um i've got some good ideas i think that would would lead to to quite interesting things with how you could play on that um and then you know the other thing i've sort of been thinking about is like with the pc is you know getting some steamworks integration going where players will be able to sort of you know uh, upload their own maps and and things like that so yeah i'm really excited about it um yeah thank you for having me on cool 
Thanks. So that is the end of the interview. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to this if this is your first time listening so you get the uh, the, the stuff that's coming in your podcast feed. Um, please check out the video that I, I made uh, based on this. You can just go to getobject.net to find that. And it'd be cool if you could subscribe to the YouTube channel as well because as I said, I'm going to be doing more more um, videos on on uh, video game objects with interviews with, with the developers that, that made them. So there's going to be more of that coming. And yeah, uh, it's um, good to be back talking about video games. And uh, I'm hoping that you think so too. And I'm hoping you'll, you'll stick along with me and um, see what's to come. But for now, that's the end of this episode. And hopefully I'll be back in the not too distant future with, with something else for you. Cheers for listening. Bye bye.